Hello and welcome to True Crime Diary, in which we look at the annals of true crime to find events that happened on this week in history. I'm your host, Mark Decano, and with me are my friends, Jed Lester. All right. And Rue Turner. Hello. So the date we're looking at this time is the 13th of July, and in 1955, Ruth Ellis became the last woman to be hanged in Britain. She'd killed her lover, David Blakely, and stood over the body saying, I'm guilty and a little confused. She was arrested by an off-duty policeman and immediately confessed to the crime. Sounds fascinating. So Ruth Ellis, what do we know about her? I don't know much, but I will say she clearly had a an idol that was Marilyn. Because she looked like that's, Marilyn, why, right. that's why she had that haircut. She clearly wanted to look like Marilyn. She the haircut was very of the time. You must think I was born yesterday. Yes. I mean she definitely modelled herself with her, her platinum blonde looks on Marilyn, definitely. Um but obviously yes, she was an icon at the time and she was very um Ellis was very popular. Um she was considered quite the beauty. Right. Okay. Which only served to help her because she started her career, as we know it, uh, in nude modelling. And then she got a job in the court club in London and became a prostitute. Oh, right. I was about to say, what, court what is that? kind of club is it? Gentleman's club. A gentleman's club, yes. Wasn't tennis then? Wasn't a tennis club. <laughs> <laughs> so she was born about 1926. Um, the family moved to London, weirdly, during the war. So it was about 1941. And she, when she was 17, she had her first pregnancy. And she had a son who they called Andy. His name was Claire Andre. And he lived with Ellis's mother. So he'll come his up His name again. was Claire? His name was Claire. We could hear, they called him Andy. Okay. Claire was his father's name. So the son was named Claire. If you're confused now, just oh, yeah. wait. <laughs> But on the way she was brought up, it's a surprise that she did her father the honour of naming her son after him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a bad upbringing. He wasn't a nice man. Oh, right. Oh, but, okay. um, you know, they say women marry their fathers, and he was a, a drunk and an abusive father, and yeah, so was everyone that she had <laughs> relations with well, yeah, afterwards. Right, okay. So she found her type. She was headstrong. There's no denying that. She was very forthright. She knew what she wanted, but she was also very... Um, she she knew the kind of man that she wanted to be around. So this this is setting up the type of uh, relationship that she would have. So primarily her income was working at a club, which was what it wasn't. It was a brothel. Was it was it, a, well, it was a gentleman's club. So she would be serving drinks. So she was, was a hostess. Part of the yes, she was hostess duty. Um, but the owner of the club basically had slept uh, with all of the hostesses. Oh right. And she made her living after that pretty much. So this is about 1950 now. She made her living off of um, prostitution and um, hostessing at the club. She, in her role as a prostitute, she got pregnant again. This time it was aborted, which would have been illegal at the time. And in, in November of 1950, she married uh, George Johnson Ellis. Her, her, her born name was uh, Hornby, Ruth Hornby. Her father changed that to Nielsen. But then she married um, George Johnson Ellis, who was a divorcee, he was a dentist. He had two kids. And he was not a nice man. He was very like her dad. He was violent. He was uh, an alcoholic. He was very jealous. Right. Did, it, did they guy. meet at the club? Yes. Okay, fine. There's a pattern. There's Energy. a pattern. So you can imagine someone who would go to that kind of, course, of a club. Yeah, yeah. 
But she she left him many times, but she always went back. They had a daughter named Georgina. Another pattern. Father's name George, daughter's name Georgina. Oh, right, yeah. So in 1953, she becomes manager of the place called The Little Club in Knightsbridge. So we're now talking she's in the West End. So she's come to a better club, she's a West End club. There's celebrities going in there. She's the manager now, not just the hostess. And in there she's meeting, she's rubbing shoulders with people who've you know, been on in the theatre. And uh, she knows of a racing driver. And through this racing driver, she meets David Blakely, who's also uh, a racing driver. Um, he's... Unlike her, he's got quite a well-to-do background. He's public school. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he was educated at Sandhurst. So, but he's also a bit of a drinker, and at this time he's already engaged to someone. And again, this is a pattern of behaviour because he's he's constantly having a um, affair. He's he's engaged to um, Mary Dawson, and but he's sleeping around. So he meets Ruth Ellis, and almost immediately he moves into her flat above the club with her even though he's engaged. This is quite a sort of a social transformation from a young girl brought up in real in North Wales, Mm. which is not a particularly well-developed area at that time. It would have been (laughs) rough and full of drinking men's clubs and stuff. Yes, yeah. To now be living essentially the high life in London with famous people. Yeah, it's quite so. exciting in some ways despite all of the abuse going on well yeah i mean but that's what she's been used to so yeah that's normality i suppose exactly so uh, it wouldn't have been anything out of the ordinary for her the only thing that changed in her life was moving up market and rubbing shoulders with you know people she reads about in magazines and newspapers a higher class of abuser well the um the only thing i know well i don't know much about uh david but i've heard that he's generally hideous uh, individual he's a drinker he's a womanizer so yeah it's not a sh- it's quite a short walk to abuse from there mm. i can be a jerk and no one can stop me um she gets pregnant again this is her fourth pregnancy now this one is also aborted this one is uh, pregnant by blakely then ellis meets desmond cusson and now cusson is a bit more respectable he's xraf um he's in a family business cusson and co they they're like in uh into, in tobacco um, retail, they're tobacconists. Um, she cousins, cousins, cousins. <laughs> <laughs> so she moves in with him now. Ellis has moved in with cousin, but she's still seeing Blakely at the same time, and Blakely's still seeing other women. Um, now, apparently, Actually. they they got engaged inverted commas, or they arranged that they would get engaged. Engaged to be engaged. Engaged to be engaged. Exactly. They made an agreement that they would be married, sure, but yeah. of course, you know, he's too busy that's engaged. never going to happen. And then um, in January in 1955, she was uh, pregnant again. This is her fifth pregnancy now. However, this one was a miscarriage because in one of their great arguments, Blakely punched her really hard in the stomach and forced a miscarriage. No doubt, deliberately, I would imagine. But Yeah. And it worked, did it? it yeah, she miscarried. Eyes, I mean. Yeah, she miscarried. But what we've seen is we've really, really established a pattern of the, the fact that her type is horrible, horrible men. Okay, really nasty piece of work, except for Cusson, apparently. Uh, more on him in a bit. How do you know what a pretty girl wants? But, um, you know, she's lived a life of abusive 
childhood. She's got abusive relationships. She's had uh, pregnancies, abortions, pregnancies, miscarriage. It's prostitution. Surrounded by lecherous old men in smoky clubs. Sometimes my brain gets real starved. So it's possibly no surprise that after you know, had more and more arguments, that on the 10th of April, which was an Easter Sunday, this is 1955, Ellis went out looking for Blakely. She took a taxi, apparently, to Hampstead, um, from where she walked down to the uh, Magdala pub. Yep. Still there, it's closed. Yeah, it's closed. They're trying to open it this year, the Ellis. No, it's the Magdala pub, and Blakely's car was parked outside. So she waits in the doorway of the, t- the shop next door until he comes out. So she knew he was drinking there or she hanging out there. Yeah. Saw his car. Saw his car. Yep. He's obviously inside because he's a drinker. Sure. Yep. He comes out with a friend of his called um, Clive Gunnell. She sees him. She's waiting in the doorway. She steps out and basically fires a gun at him. Right. She misses, so he tries to run. Um, he runs around the car. She chases after him, shoots again. He goes down. And then she stands over him and fires three shots into him. So, in fact, so close is she that there's actually powder burns on the, on the wounds from the gun. Uh, she, then she tried to fire a sixth time, but the gun sort of jammed. Yeah, and when she got yeah. it to fire, it actually, she wasn't pointing at him, so it ricocheted. <laughs> then it hit someone else, hit a bystander who was wounded. Wow. And then, um, quite calmly, she asked Clive to call the police. So basically, we're talking about, we're obviously talking about murder, but we are literally, in the eyes of the law, we're talking about murder one, as opposed to anything else, basically, aren't we? You go out there with intent and then carry out the crime. Yeah. And then say, "Um, I know you saw me do it, but I did it. You are, that's the highest category of killing. Yeah, and you're talking first degree murder. First yeah. degree is like premeditated. Now, it's interesting, we didn't really have it like that at, at the time. Oh, okay. I'm sure we do have it now in that respect, but British law is a bit strange. So at the time, the charge would have been murder. There's no degrees of murder. Crimes no. of passion aren't really recognised. So a manslaughter was still murder. I mean, I know manslaughter is murder, but, but there is a difference. Yeah, well, manslaughter is is an accidental death um killing without intent yeah exactly so so the way the way my understanding is this murder one is premeditated intent to kill yeah uh second degree is uh crime of passion so you intended to kill in that moment you didn't plan it that could be argued for a um defense lawyer yeah, you get it down to murder too. But again, yeah. in Britain in oh, 1950, sorry, yeah, yeah. you did it. It was murder, right. That, was that's it. Right, okay. And then you also, you kind of have third degree, which is that you, I think it's you intended to harm, but not to kill. So you killed someone, you didn't intend to kill them, you intended to harm them. You could probably argue that as well. Yeah, and then manslaughter is you didn't intend to do anything, but they somebody died. Very interesting, but too long. Should be short and sweet. But that is a modern take on it. Now, bear in mind, you're talking about British justice in the 1950s. You shot a gun, someone died, it's murder, you hang. Yes, and no there's no other... No other sentence. So if that was to happen today, forget, ignore the um, degrees of murder... Mm. 
if that were to happen today, you would what would happen? Would it be it would be life life in prison, but we're talking twenty five year stretch yeah. and could then be diminished responsibility. It could be, yeah, yeah. And then and then it would also be if there was such a thing as good behaviour, she she could it, modern day she could easily be out within fifteen years, couldn't she? I would I would say so. Yeah, yeah. I could be remembering this wrong, but was there not a case where a woman was abused by her partner long term for many many years, killed him, I've deliberately heard killed him, yeah, and, yeah. but was pretty much allowed to go? Sure. Yeah, I think they There's argued self defence, didn't they? Yeah, because it was a long term. You're literally sure, yeah. presenting yeah. yourself being harmed anymore. Of course, yeah, yeah. It's difficult to look back and see how it would have been then compared to now. But so I mean, the, mo- the modern day version could have been. She could have argued a lesser degree, and ultimately, with good behaviour, she would have been. She would have got out. But by yeah. the time the seventies came round, yeah, she would have been out basically. I mean, if they'd argued, you know, abusive behaviour, um, yeah, and, and obviously background of it and everything else, and, and crime of passion, which, as I say, was never really a thing in in Britain. People who in France. Um, people have very deliberately planned and committed murder and got off or got le- very small sentences in the past because it was considered a crime of passion, right, which, right. of course, mm. is a big thing in France. Imagine Whereas in Britain, we're too stoic to be passionate about something. Imagine the amount of people who were hung but weren't guilty. I'm talking about... Yeah. And spousal abuse wasn't really a crime in the 50s in the UK. Absolutely not. Absolutely not, no. But... Um, if anything, it was encouraged. wasn't even in the statutes until 1991. Mm. Well, it was, again, it's it's part of this. It's it's, it's a horrible patriarchy. At the, um, now, I mean, you know, you could argue that now, but at the time, it was just literally the wife is the homemaker. You stay at home. Right. You do what I tell you. Yeah. And that's it. You don't have a life of your own. And if you're going out to do a job, it's because I, sent you. I sent you or I expect it of you. you know. So... The police turned up, presumably. Well, there was an off-duty policeman who actually placed her under arrest. When he arrested her, she said, I'm guilty, I'm, I'm a little confused. So he took her in and she confessed um, at the station. They wrote out a confession. Yep. A confession that's well, less than three pages long. Yeah, well, something that comes up by modern standards... Does the length matter? Is basic, yeah, it's, like, there's it? no detail in it at all. There's nothing. Yeah, confession. Oh, right. And it starts with the three words, I am guilty, full stop. Yes. And in fact, fe- I'm sure that they could have been taken, have, if someone from you know, a third party was to read that, they'd go, hang on, this is very short and succinct, so it's probably like the police wrote it and said, yeah. sign that. However, in fairness, Ruth Ellis was a big fan of brevity. I mean, most of the statements she makes are really short. I'm glad I killed the bastard. But she's got every opportunity before trial, at trial, and subsequently to appeal or you know make an address of some kind and she doesn't she specifically says i don't want to appeal Mm. so you know it's it's succinct but that's uh, as as i say uh, when she shot blakely she said to clive gunnell you know go and call the police clive or words to that effect and then when the policeman arrived she said i'm guilty i'm confused it's literal short sentences what was the dates of meeting uh blakely and Murder. Well, it's less than two years. My sort of, my general feel about the whole situation was 
by this time, I mean, to just how it felt to me was that she'd had this life. I mean, she'd been abused sexually by her father when she was a little girl. And she'd been abused since then by practically every man she'd ever met. Mm. Physically abused, sexually abused. And she almost got to a point in her life where she thought, this has got to stop. Yeah. I'm going to end this. It doesn't matter what happens to me after that. It mm. can't be worse than this. My yeah. life can't get worse. I'll just, mm. I'll kill him. I love him, but I'll kill him and that'll be the end of it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. She's right. I didn't. I don't know the detail about long, long-term kind of sexual abuse, but the notion of continued abuse is clearly apparent. Yeah, and what you said, Rue, about, you know, she loved him, but he had to stop, it's, it's very true. I mean, she wrote, when she was in prison, awaiting execution, she wrote to Blakely's parents, and she said in, in the letter, she said, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but she said something along the lines of, I always loved your son, and I'll, I will die loving him. She was in love. She was, you know, he was a wow. bastard, yeah. but she did love him. But and she, she wanted to die. She wanted to hang so she could be with him again. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Don't know what to say to that. No. Very interesting, <laughs> but stupid. Um, okay, so 20th of June, still in 1955. This, the case goes up in... Uh, Number one courtroom at Central Criminal Court, or what you and I would call the Old Bailey. Mm-hmm. And the Crown Prosecutor, one Mr. Christmas Humphreys. Yes, I've heard of him. At all. <laughs> um, he asked her one question. I mean, this has to go down as the shortest trial in British criminal history. Okay, yeah, yeah. He asked her one question, which was When you fired the revolver at close range into the body of David Blakely, what did you intend to do? Yes, good question. Great question. You can see why I got the job, really. Yeah. And Ellis, her response was, it's obvious when I shot him, I intended to kill him. Right. Good answer. So, yeah. Succinct. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, there you go. Bang. Mm. Done. Case closed. Was that it? Yeah. Pretty much. (laughs) So, they didn't elaborate at all? Well, that's why he gets the big bucks. That's why he gets, yeah. Well, I don't know. If he'd stretched it out a bit, didn't he? Charged by the hour. (laughs) Obviously, that wasn't the whole back and forth but pretty much you know they could have just said right there you go bang lunch because that was it she just literally stood up there and said I killed him and that was and I intended I, when I shot him I intended to kill him that, so that's you know intention wow. and action um, the jury was out for 20 minutes which is not long and if anything I'd say in that instance that was probably was a bit long because it was so cut and dry mm. if anything I would say that they probably thought about it a bit longer because she was a woman. They came oh, back right. and said yes. guilty, obviously. Yes, I see what you mean. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it was so cut and dry. But why did it take 20 minutes to say that? Because it was so yeah. obvious. I think, if anything, it's because it was a woman. Because female killers in history, particularly around that time, have got a lot of attention because they're unusual. Right. Okay. I mean, bloke, blokes yeah. kill people left, right That's and centre. We're terrible. We're, was there any... Um, I killed a guy before you arrived this morning. Was there any... <laughs> was there any... Um, was there any suggestion, obviously not in the trial, but in general culture, that the um, hanging was on its way out at oh, the yeah. time? Absolutely. And again, the reason why it might have been 20 but minutes to think about this is because the only possible outcome of a guilty verdict was death by hanging. Yes. No mitigation. No and, nothing. and because the last man to hang was a lot later wasn't it like 10 plus years it was a it was a bit later it wasn't that much it was in the 60s 
Right. Okay. It wasn't that much later, and there weren't many, in fairness, in that time. In that there time weren't time many that yeah. hanged, which possibly makes her hanging all the all the weirder. So it's being so. My, I mean, obviously, the they didn't know. Should we do one more hanging? You know, there was no such thing as. Yeah. Let's make this the last one. It, but it was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> It was just, uh, it was being talked about, was it? The, it was being talked the, about, um, yes. What do you call it? The banning of hanging. Yes, and in the same period as this, you've got Ruth Ellis, so she's a female killer, definitely guilty, but apparently a little bit possibly justified. Yep. Also around yeah. the same time, you've got um, Bentley of Bentley and Craig. Of course, yeah. Who was hanged and for was a killing that... He, was he definitely didn't do. Definitely yes, didn't, yes, kill, yes. Didn't, didn't commit. Yeah. yeah. And also around this time, you've got Timothy Evans, who was hanged for the murder of his wife and child, who it was later found out were victims of John Christie of Rillington Place fame. Yes, right, okay. So you've got now three hangings. One didn't do it. One, one justified did. to do it. Yeah. And another one who, who also didn't do it. And they all hang. Now you can't, you know... If someone's in life imprisonment, you can change things. But if you're hanged, you're hanged. And I think the main that was so the, the culture thing. was just becoming a bit. Actually, do you know what? It needs to be a bit less than black and white. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, okay. saying that you did it doesn't actually mean that you did it. Exactly. Well, Tim Evans confessed, but we know he was innocent. And Ruth Ellis confessed, and we believe that she did it. Bentley didn't confess. Bentley didn't even do it. And there were loads no. of policemen on the roof who oh. knew he didn't do it. But it still took 10 years until hanging was yeah. banned. But then, what is it, within two years of that, diminished responsibility was given as a reason. Okay, yeah. so different degrees it. came in. Yeah. Right. So within two years of her being hanged. Okay. Now, the, the one alternative that she did have available to her was um, insanity. But she was examined three times, once by the defence, once by the prosecution, and after her arrest before it went to court proceedings. She examined three times... And none of them found any reason to to believe that she could plead insanity. In which case, she would have gone to like criminally sure. insane yeah, asylum. Yeah. It's all gone to trial. The trial is now over. She's guilty. guilty. She's yes. now awaiting a uh, sentence to be carried out. Yep. Okay. Of which there is only one verdict. Of which there is only one. Yep. Well, she's sentenced to hang. So oh. we're waiting. For, yep. She's now waiting for that. Now, see, uh, she fires the, the lawyer, who is Cousin's cousin. Yeah. Cousin's cousin. Cousin's cousin, yep. Cousin of Cousin. His job is essentially over unless she's going to appeal. She didn't want to appeal. Sure, right. So she fired him. She called in um, Mission and Simmons, who was the solicitor she wanted to write her last will and testament to. Now, she told them something that she didn't bring up at her trial, which was about Cousin. Hmm. So apparently Cousin gave her the gun. Showed her how to shoot it, and then drove her to the end of the road. Oh, right. Hang on. Twist. Twist. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to ask about where she got the gun, but I, then I, I kind of thought, oh, she'll kind of hang out with nefarious types, so it might have been quite easy. But anyway, it turns out there's there's a twist. Yeah, well, Cousin's at XRAF. Oh, there you go. This yeah. Is, yeah. Probably had one. It probably had one, yeah. You had more than one, I imagine. Yeah. This is that post-war period where everyone had everyone a gun had in the a drawer in the kitchen. Everyone had a gun. Right, right. Just, you know. It literally, yeah, you demobbed to get off the boat. Yeah, yeah, sure. And you just go home with your full army kit. Of course. There were two right. or three in my granddad's house. 
Oh, there you we go. Kids. Well, we used to pull them out and play with them. There was a Luger <laughs> in there, and okay. they had brought back from Germany. <laughs> okay, what? <laughs> <laughs> he was in the SS. It's fine. Oh, right, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> you know, and bayonets and all sorts. You know. Yeah, who's going to have a bayonet lying around? Oh, yeah, hang on. <laughs> so that's all very interesting information. Of course, the trial's over now. Oh, right. So, oh, because her uh, her abrupt confession hmm. made the trial very go very quickly, they kind of didn't have time to ask any other. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, it just didn't on. come How up. How did you, where did you get the... But she didn't volunteer this information until she was sure, writing yeah. her will, you know, and this... Um, well, it's too late, isn't it? There's no... They, it's... The verdict has been delivered. Yeah, well, again, they've still got opportunity to, to appeal, but she specifically said when she was telling them this information not to use it in any attempt to appeal hmm. the, the sentence, which is weird. That's, that's, yeah, let's be honest, yeah. it's really strange. She's, doing, she's making no effort. In fact, she's, she's um, deliberately going up against any attempt to get her off the, yeah. the death sentence. They did investigate this claim, but the Home Secretary at the time, one Lloyd George, Gwillem Lloyd George, <laughs> mm-hmm. he's the Home Secretary, and now he said that it wouldn't have made any difference if that had been the case, because all that would have done was proved premeditation. Um, even more so. If they'd arranged yeah, to have yeah, the gun course, and that, yeah. have her dropped off, they would have said, well, that just proves it was premeditated, yes, so it yes. don't make any difference at okay. all. She's still yeah. going to hang. This, uh, the Home Secretary was, was quite fun, because... Um, the judge, Judge Havers, having passed sentence, he appealed to the Home Secretary. Because even he knew that, you know, maybe this isn't a hanging. The judge appealed. The judge in the case who pronounced sentence, he appealed to the Home Secretary okay. to to have him uh, arrange clemency. And there was a, a, a petition for clemency that got 50,000 signatures. So you can see, you know, there's a lot of people in her corner, even if she's not. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, the, I, I'm pretty sh- I mean, as far as... Not the verdict necessarily. Don't, didn't want her, Don't want her to hang. But I've, she'll have had so many people on her side in general. The public. Mm. Quite interesting. One of the things the Home Secretary said because he's listened to what everyone said, and he <laughs> made this co- this comment apparently because the bystander got shot with the ricochet bullet. He said, "Can't have people shooting off guns in the street." Yeah, it's true. like I'm not, there's no clemency because we can't can't have it. Yes, can't be allowed. Shouldn't be allowed. Sure, Disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Down with this sort of thing. Down with this sort of thing. Boo to all of it. <laughs> Something about the time, I think. They're sort of saying, well, no, we're not having that. Good Lord. So, to the gallows she goes. So, anyway, so there's an appeal. So, the sister, she's got a sister named Muriel. Uh, Muriel Jacobate, mm-hmm. who, at the age of 81... Um, in 2003, her appeal was uh, thrown out by the appeal court. Although yeah. there was criticism about the Criminal Cases Review Commission's handling of the uh, review, the fact of the matter is that um, the appeal court ruled that the decision had to be made according to the law at the time. So now, in modern modern law, you yes, can reduce. Course, yeah. You could, you know, you can basically bargain your way down mm. to manslaughter or, or, or what have you. I mean, it's it's horrendous. Yeah. Would it have? What? Sorry. What was the? Uh, I think the argument was uh, what they would have called battered woman syndrome. Yes, right. Which okay. is basically, yeah, which is completely understandable. She yeah. was arguably defending herself, but it was thrown out because the law at the time was the law at the time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and it's not really a pretty picture for her whole family. I mean, her father, George, George Ellis, in 1958, he hanged himself. Her mother attempted suicide in 1969. When she was disinterred from Holloway Prison, she was reburied in Amersham. And the son, Andy, he destroyed the headstone. Wow. And it had, her, it had, it had Ruth Hornby was the name on the, mm-hmm. on the headstone, her original name. So he destroyed the headstone. And in 1982, he, he killed himself. Although what's interesting about that is his funeral was paid for by Christmas Humphreys, the prosecution. Wow, wow. That's interesting. And it? apparently Judge Havers had been sending him money. The, so the son, Andy, he killed himself, but the daughter, Georgina, she, she lived on. She, she died um, at the age of 50 from, from cancer, but she didn't, uh, she didn't kill herself like everyone else. So this sounds like a stupid question, but um, obviously the father killed himself three years after her hanging. Yes, do we know why he killed himself? Oh, he was an alcoholic. And right. Yeah, he's just, yeah. And he's how, just how did he kill himself? He hanged himself. He hanged himself? Yeah. Poetic. Well, uh, he earned it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a joyful roller coaster. Mm, yeah, so let's yeah, end yeah. with a, something a little bit more fun. So here's an interesting fact. Oh, yeah. So in 1951, Ruth Ellis got a small bit part in a movie called Lady Godiva Rides Again. Yes. Okay. Now, Stella I've heard of that. It's, yeah. That's British, is it? Yes. Now, Diana Dawes was in the movie. She wasn't oh, the right. star. That's she was a supporting oh, role. Okay. Right. Yeah. She was a supporting role and she was in the movie. And, you know, it was about her beauty pageant and everything else. Um, actually, it was re-released in the, in the US under the name Bikini Baby in 53, <laughs> a couple of years later. And Diana Dawes was billed as the lead role. Mm-hmm. Now, in 1956, Diana Dawes made a movie called Yield to the Night. Now, this is not based on, but the, on, on Ruth Ellis, but it's remarkably similar story. Wow, wow. So, Ruth, the real Ruth Ellis was in a movie with Diana Dawes a few years before she died. And, then and Diana in the following Dawes year, Diana Dawes played a role that was... Effectively played her. Effectively wow, played wow. her, yeah. Which is interesting. But for my money... The uh, the quintessential Ruth Ellis role uh, was played by Miranda Richardson in 1985's Dance with a Stranger. Yes, her nose is pretty as mine. Uh, Rupert Everett played Blakely. Yeah! And the late great Ian Holm uh, played Cousin. Oh, God! No, no walk-on part from Nigel Havers. No walk-on part from Nigel Havers, no. Nigel Havers is, of course, uh, grandson of Judge Havers. Well, that's all for this time. If you want to know more about what we've discussed over the course of this episode, then just Google it or something. You can see daily true crime updates on our Facebook page. That's Facebook forward slash true crime diary or our Instagram at true crime underscore diary. And you can support the show with a donation at paypal.me forward slash true crime diary. Join us next time when we'll be similarly discussing and digressing on another event in true crime history. Until then, my thanks to Jed and Rue. My name's Mark. And we'll see you on the next date in our True Crime Diary.